is a fan-off production. International episode 373. I'm Andy from Germany. We still haven't worked Dave out who's going next. David we? from. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> we had this big discussion about who was going to start the episode, and nobody thought to say who should go second. <laughs> David, why the don't last you take few it? Times, so. I guess, I, what did I do before? When I introed it, I would throw it to Andy, who'd throw it to Dave. So I guess I assumed I just swapped places with Andy. That's how it worked in my head. But also, like you said, Dave, none of us talked about it. Who honestly knows so. anymore? <laughs> well, we're all here. So United States, Germany, Britain, three names. Yep. Go ahead, Andy. Two of us are called David. Uh, so how hard can it be? And exactly. I, ironically, the one saying that is not the one called David. Yep. Right. <laughs> to confuse it further, it's the two people that spoke at the same time earlier, so you couldn't distinguish voices. We we are one hive mind. We're we're getting very close to that point. What was the um you remember was it uh, the Josh fight or something where everybody called Josh got to one place at the same time and they all had like these uh phone oh, yeah, that's noodles right. <laughs> and they had a battle so that one person had the right to be called Josh. End up being wasn't like it? Didn't they let like a, a little kid win? Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> oh man, man we're off to a bad start. Andy, please, please take control <laughs> of the show. <laughs> I was a part at a party once years ago where there were, I think, like four people with my name. At some point, wow. someone yelled that we should all, 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 all people with my name should gather in the kitchen just because they were. <laughs> So many of us. Where's Andy? Uh, He's in the kitchen. People. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so That's this awesome. is Erie International. Uh, we've been doing this for, uh, at this point... Too long. Almost eight years. And That's seemingly crazy. we've forgotten how to do this. Yeah, so we started in yeah, 2015. Um, and I haven't had a proper look at the calendar, but... I think we might reach episode 400 this year. So we are at 373 currently, and our topic for the day is the movie I Walked with a Zombie from the 1940s, basically the the second part in our two-part series uh, about pre-Romero zombie movies because we've never talked about any of them. So last week was White Zombie, today is I Walked with a Zombie... Directed by Jacques Tourneur. Huh? How did that sound? There it is. <laughs> it sounded amazing. <laughs> I'm standing to attention, if you know what I mean. I understood, yeah. You filthy, filthy animals. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, okay, let's get the housekeeping out of the way. We are on uh, social media. We are at ERIENT on Twitter and on Instagram and Facebook. We are Erie International. Our email address is erieinternational at gmail.com. We haven't had messages in a short while, so 
feel free to message us with recommendations, questions, insults, whatever. We will read it on the air and make fun of you and, I don't know, see where your messages will take us. Um, yeah, I've, with that out of the way, <laughs> let's get going and talk about things that we watched this week and from now on I will just lean back for half an hour because Dave <laughs> is uh, ready uh, <laughs> loaded and cocked and whatever uh, to get on a big I'm assuming like praise fest for John Wick chapter 4 so Dave Here's your stage. Wait, 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 Dave, don't start yet, because I'm gonna I'll, I'll forget this if I don't say it right now. Ready, mm. loaded, and cocked is how I'm saying that from now on. Andy switched that up, and that is so much better than cocked, locked, and ready, or whatever it usually is. Yeah. Uh, I like ending on cocked. <laughs> it, it, it just gets a whole different feeling, even though it's the same words. It's it's technically the correct way around as well. So it absolutely. would yeah, that's also true. Okay, sorry, go ahead, Dave. That's because I, I did I wasn't absolutely sure how that phrase goes and in my mind i thought okay what would be the proper order if i <laughs> had a gun in my hand i would probably first load it and then cock it yes absolutely <laughs> you got it <laughs> oh man well that's not a problem that they have in the movie john wick 4 they definitely know how to load their guns correctly <laughs> jesus christ what yep. a movie this thing is like it it's not for you know for anyone that follows me on um letterbox i didn't give it a, a five-star review because i'm an idiot i guess um but also like there's like teeny teeny tiny things um but generally speaking like this movie is just so so good and there's probably going to be accidental spoilers as well as like spoilers that are absolutely intended so you should probably skip forward like I, I think half an hour is probably pushing it i was being <laughs> i was being very very dramatic when we're I not we're posted. not letting dave talk about this for half an hour no. it'll not be half an hour <laughs> nobody should allow me to talk on anything for half an hour because I'll, I'll end up just saying the same thing eight times um but it's just holy shit i mean where do you start with this film first of all the fact that it manages to square um not square the circle complete the circle um in in a way which is both really touching but also manages to bring in the best parts of previous movies like john wick 3 we mentioned i think i said last week that i just wanted there to be more highly trained dogs in john wick movies because <laughs> like they were a highlight of the third one and then holy shit this this fucking alsatian in john wick 4 is just the bestest boy ever um yeah. and and then the way that that dog ends up playing into ultimately kind of like the finale of of the movie um the the big device of of how he manages to survive all the way to the end and get to the final destination is just so well done and so tonally on point and i wasn't even thinking about it until we got into this moment, which I imagine had you, David, just displaying a full-blown erection, where they did this like hotline Miami shit. Um, oh, good lord! Oh my god, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I knew that was coming. I had read a review or something that mentioned a hotline Miami sequence, so I was already kind of imagining. I mean, it's not hard to imagine what it would probably look like because it's mm. just top down. But it was such a great sequence, both because of that, but also just how they choreographed it. Like yep. it, um, 
it was it's all one shot so yeah mm. it's great and the the music that went over the top of it was just spot on as well and like yeah. i'm not a massive music aficionado especially where it comes to soundtracks in movies and people will be aware of that um i've spoken about the fact on not multiple podcasts this one as well as generation animation that i tend to, music tends to just be in the background and like the best compliment i can give music normally is that it didn't get in the way of me enjoying the film like it felt like a natural part of the movie however when you play cross anything from cross by justice I am going to immediately pay attention. And so the the Yeah, the I was fights, pretty excited when the, that song showed up too. Oh God. <laughs> the fight sequence on those steps is just <clears throat> so good and holy shit. Like Donnie Yen is great in this movie. Um the whole doorbell thing was kind of genius <laughs> and hilarious at the same time. I like how even though he's like this top level assassin, he's still not he's not like uh, Matt Murdock right where he can see absolutely everything even though he's blind um, he does still fumble a little bit like he reaches out for it's... The... go ahead sorry no 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 I, I mean sorry I was interrupting you go <laughs> you go ahead sorry <laughs> okay that, um, like when we when we first meet him um, and he's given the name and so he reaches out for it but he kind of fumbles a couple of times before he can actually get hold of the envelope and, yeah. and open it there's no reason for him to act like he can't um, you know like he's a bumbling blind man at that point so clearly that is like the, the level of his ability in that moment um, but I do also like how he like clanks the end of his sword on things and it feels like he's doing like an echolocation thing uh, or something so very cool um the the biggest criticism to to come out of the movie is the fact that and this isn't a criticism because if you've seen john wick one john wick two and john wick three you're expecting a 90 minute to two hour to two and a half hour to three hour action scene just end to end but it felt like I it never really felt like I had enough time to breathe and decompress before the next one came along and so it has the unfortunate effect of lessening the impact of some of the scenes with the exception of the final climactic battle which is just very decompressed very slowed down very I mean it's I, I can't remember if there was any music I it, it felt like it was a silent scene um trying very hard not to spoil it for people who haven't seen it but um i mean you guys will know what i'm talking about yeah. um so like sunset i think that's probably the best way to say it um yeah. and then like the visuals are just amazing that that sunset really is truly beautiful um the use of color early on andy mentioned to me last time out um, just keep an eye out for music and cinematography and lighting and things like that and and i did and I absolutely loved it. Like the the use of color, the way that the camera is is used uh, in the space. These completely built sets, you know, and, and the camera is is within these sets, and you feel like you're part of of this uh, living, breathing environment. Um, the different locations, uh, just ev- everything about this film is just absolutely stunning. And the only slight criticism of it at all coming out is that there wasn't maybe enough breathing space in some parts of the film. That being said, that's kind of the point of it. They kind of want you to feel like John Wick, where you're constantly up against it and you're constantly trying to survive the next attack. And that makes perfect sense. 
Um, but yeah, it's just such a good film. David, you were going to say something and then you let me carry on and I carried on for far too long. <laughs> I was just going to say Donnie Yen does what Donnie Yen does best. Um, well, one of the things he does best, which is like showing up with a brand new character and just winning over the audience instantly. Like, yes. <laughs> he did that with, with Rogue One uh, as well, where you just you love him immediately. And I, uh, even more so in this movie for me, like I, I loved how layered his character was, but then also like the history he shares with John wick. And then the, obviously he's an amazing, you know, martial artist and, and, and stuntman, what all of the above. Um, what I loved about his performance in this was also how like, and I'm not a, when we've been talking about silent films, you know, recently, I'm not like a, I've seen a couple of Chaplin movies, but I haven't seen Buster Keaton. But I, I'm aware of this stuff. But it reminded me a lot of that. There was a lot of like, um, like uh, what are they called? Like Pratt Folly kind of tumbly stuff where mm. um, they they would often juxtapose it with somebody else. So like someone's sliding up against like the side of a wall, and then he like kind of like rolls, <laughs> or like there's one point where he's like army crawling on the ground. Yeah. Like there's a lot of stuff where it's. It's comedic too, but it also informs his character, like you were saying, Dave. So there's there's storytelling happening through his um, literally just his body language and his physical performance, uh, which I think is so fascinating. Like mm-hmm. the <clears throat> there there are multiple things in this movie where like and maybe this is showing my age, but the the biggest feeling I felt other than you know awe and just being so into it was just like being so impressed (laughs) with every, like so many aspects of the movie Keanu Reeves with nunchucks. Like (laughs) when he starts using those in that scene, it's funny. You're like, okay, yeah, this feels like what it would be like if John wick had nunchucks. Like he's got the, you know, the Russian fighting background and everything. And he's just kind of like whipping one dude in the face over and over again. And like, it's, it's funny, but then he starts whipping out some like legit, <laughs> like Bruce Lee kind of. Yeah, stuff, I mean, he's yeah. not as like fast as that, but that's that's absolutely the next thing I thought of was like, man, this is like insanely impressive stuff. And we all know like how closely they work with the stunt teams. It's like these are stunt people, fight choreographer, like all that crew, like just amusement parks basically. Like they're all. These sequences that are set up, I mean, the director obviously was Keanu's stunt double forever and has his own stunt team and everything. And um, that's that's one of the, I think especially starting with the third one on, that's definitely, it becomes one of the added bonuses of the franchise, um, which is to see sort of like, okay, what's the next set piece going to be? And they're not set pieces like Spielberg set pieces where there's, you know, a billion moving parts. Sometimes there are. But a lot of it is literally like we've put on these insane stunts for you. Um, I won't spoil anything either, but there's a there's a very big fall in the third act. I'm sure you guys know which one I'm talking about. Um, mm-hmm. That takes a long time to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I read an interview with the with what's his name Chad Stileski Stileski. I don't know how you pronounce it. Um, but he was like, okay, thank you. He was like, there's no uh, there's no CG in that in that at all it's like these are these are stunt people taking hits like this guy did that thing for real and it's a great interview i'll i'll send it to you guys he kind of talks about the entire franchise and how they build these movies and especially after they started to get successful and 
you know, the studio was able to kind of be like, all right, well, what do you guys want to do for the next one? I mean, there's some stuff in these movies that literally just start with them being like uh, John Wick with nunchucks. Like, that's the idea. They don't have a script yet. So, <laughs> you know, working with, yeah, anyway, I could go on and on about it. I, I'm with you, Dave. I'm, Andy, I, you, I'm sure you're going to chime in too. Like, I, I thought it was was fantastic. I actually saw the first third of it twice this week or last week um, nice. because I went with a, a friend and uh, he left to go to the bathroom after the first like third that's at the Osaka Continental. Mm. And he sent me a text and he's like, I'm having a heart attack. Call 911. Like legit. So I like run out of the theater. Um, long story short, uh, he, we had both forgotten he had taken a large amount of edibles. <laughs> oh, shit. And he was having a panic attack in the bathroom. I'm sure John Wick 4 didn't help. Um, so, so I was like, let's go home. Like, let's just go, you know, chill out or whatever. So for like a week, all I had seen was the first third. <laughs> and I was like, man, it was so good. I was so excited to watch the rest of it. Um, but yeah, great movie. It really is. It really is. And, um, it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping there's more to come where there is definitely some more John Wick content in the pipeline. Andy, uh, uh, linked us, uh, in the, in the chat to, the trailer for the Continental, which is coming out at some point, a uh, and was it a three part event they called it, Andy? Yeah, it's three parts. Supposedly, these are ninety minute movies, ninety minute episodes each, and it seems like they are going to broadcast them over the course of three nights in a row. Nice. Oh, cool! So I'm looking forward to seeing them in about a year when British TV picks them up. Uh, <laughs> hopefully sky will have them and i'll, I'll get them through uh, uh entertainment but who knows um i was really impressed with uh the, the trailer for that i i only saw it before we came on air uh because i'm very lazy and forget to watch things when they're sent to me i, I think oh I'll, I'll watch it later and then i never get around to it so i finally did watch it and um like visually i, I think it's it's right on cue um it fits very well into the john wick universe um so yeah, yeah cool. we'll we'll see how that goes when it comes out. But the idea of a uh, a prequel which uh, follows um, the uh, it's set in the nineteen seventies and it uh, essentially follows um, the the manager's um, kind of path to becoming the manager of, of the Continental. So that's going to be interesting to watch. Um, but yeah, it's not been a half an hour, but I think that's probably about all I can say <laughs> on John Wick without turning into uh, David's favorite uh, reference, Chris Farley. So um, <laughs> it's a great reference. It's, I'll use it until the day I die. No, absolutely, but I don't. I don't <laughs> want to step on your gimmick. Uh, you see, that's no, the problem. No. I, I should get Here my own go. gimmicks. Um, so yeah, uh, John Wick Four, excellent movie, and uh, everybody should go to see it. Um, but probably you should watch the rest of them first if you haven't already. And if you haven't already, what the hell's going on? Come on. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't watched them already, they're they're uh, a, a fantastic series to rewatch too from the beginning because you can see, um, literally how everything in the universe builds too. I mean, mm. this this fourth movie has so many people holding up their their coats like Dracula to block bullets, and like that's a thing that is introduced in the last movie. And there's like it's but it's you know lessons you can see like technology that they have advancing and stuff they don't point it out like it's like a lot of stuff with their lord that's so great as it's it's kind of mysterious but you can connect the dots yourself mm. um so yeah comparing where it goes in the fourth one to how it starts um 
I mean, there's a million people in the third and fourth movies that are constantly like, this is because of a dog. <laughs> like, this entire <laughs> thing happens because of, of a dog. But, yeah. It's mad when you think about Good that. Good stuff. It also contains probably the best uh, kingpin fight of all time. Um, oh, so I, I think people should check it out just for that, if nothing else. I, I forget yeah. the actor's name, but I've seen him in several things. He's wearing a, like a, a huge fat suit. Um, it's uh, Scott Atkins. Scott man, uh, extraordinary, yeah, yeah, um, and he's just that's a, why he's still so nimble. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah, he's great. So yeah, that that's a brilliant fight as well. I just can't get over the fact that people were dancing for as long as they were during that that scene. Oh, I love the commitment. <laughs> where you're just like, I Berlin am committed you. to a that night out. Yeah, <laughs> nothing's gonna stop this for me. They, no. they got some good shit when, in when there's techno on. <laughs> <laughs> those berliners don't stop dancing <laughs> oh dear they're all they're all crying it's a curse they can't stop dancing <laughs> they hate it it's actually um it's a backdoor pilot for speed free um <laughs> feel the beat which is a movie where if if the uh the main dancers uh bpm uh, reaches 50 or lower. Um, the, uh, you just combine speed with crank. The bomb goes off. Basically, yes. That's what I've done. Uh, Jason Statham, funnily enough, is in it. <laughs> I'm just casting my own movie in an elevator right now. I've got great reception for this being an elevator. Okay, so yeah, um, that was uh, that was John Wick 4, I guess. Um, I do have other stuff to talk about, If but if one of you guys wants to go with what you saw, then um, we can always circle back to me. Please go ahead. Okay, then. Uh, I will. Um, there's only another couple of things. Um, one of them is horror, kind of. One of them is not horror, but I can make it fit. So let's start with the horror. Um, I watched uh, Demon Hunter Mugen Train, um, the, uh, the second season of uh, Demon Hunter. Very, very successful. The, the motion picture version of this first seven episodes uh, set a record for the highest grossing animated feature in Japan, I believe, as well as being the highest grossing film uh, domestically of that year, which is quite impressive. Um, it's a very, very fun film. It's a fun universe that they inhabit. Uh, the basic concept of it is that the main character um it, he he lived on a mountain and made charcoal with his family and then sold it to the village below uh one day he comes home and his entire family have been slaughtered by demons and uh he's rescued last minute by a demon hunter who um takes down the demon that slaughters his family but his sister has been uh bitten but not killed and so she turns into a demon herself he manages to convince the demon hunter not to kill her, and uh, then hilarity ensues. Um, you know, it's it's a, it's a really light touch comedy, really. Uh, no, but it, it is actually a very very funny uh, show. But it has a lot of gore and and blood and violence in it as well. It's one of those shows that needs those two sides of the coin to really make it work. Um, because if it didn't have that sense of humor and that lightness of touch at times it would just be far too uh, dark and violent to, to be anywhere near as successful as it has been. Um, so, yeah, the second season um, came out a reasonable amount of time ago. I didn't get around to watching it at the time. I'm, j I'm just watching it now. 
and uh, it's it's more of the same. It's uh, still a, a very very cool story. It's got that shonen aspect to it, where a character is constantly getting stronger because they're facing multiplying odds. Um, it's uh, all about kind of sword techniques and things like that, and like you know, control your breathing. And uh, uh, the main character basically kind of learns more and more as he goes along from um, his superiors. Um, he, he kind of learns life lessons as he goes along. So it, it's a wildly successful series. I'm sure people have heard of it if they've not even uh, if they've not seen it. Uh, but I would recommend people check it out if they are interested in uh, horror animation and uh, they don't mind necessarily watching subtitles because I do think that the subtitle version is probably better than the dub. Not by that much, but it, it is better. Uh, then I, I would give that a, a hearty recommendation. Um, it's in the UK. It's on Netflix. I don't know about availability in other territories, so it would be a case of googling it and uh, finding out where you can see it if you're interested. But very fun, very gory, very horror-like. The um, they're very imaginative with the demons as well. It's not like uh, oh, all of these demons are basically the same, except uh, they they've got slight differences. They're completely different. Uh, one of them is a train. Another one is uh, a, a person that can uh, kind of turn the world upside down, turn the world into like an M.C. Escher painting. Um, there's uh, another one that's like a spider. Um, there, there's a lot of different designs, some very imaginative designs for the demons. And um, I, I would recommend it. So there we go. Uh, last thing to talk about this week, um, and only because it has giant red worms that threaten the existence of mankind and alternate dimensions. So I guess it kind of just about con uh, qualifies, but fuck it, I would talk about this anyway. Because everyone knows I love your name. Um, and everybody knows that I'm very partial to Weathering With You and just Makoto Shinkai movies in general. Uh, Suzume came out in the UK on the 14th, and uh, I watched it on the launch day with my good friend Ryan. Uh, we went to watch it together, and we were absolutely blown away. It's an amazing movie with a really strong message. Um, it, I, this is the thing. I went into it having completely ignored almost everything that was out there about this film so that I could take it in as a blank slate. So I'm not going to talk about it too much because I would recommend that everybody do the same. Uh, I can't even talk about the kind of big main thing about this movie because it would ruin the reveal for everybody. But I'll just say, like, in general terms, that the humour is absolutely uh, bang on. Um, the animation is beautiful. It really leans into that aesthetic that he established in his last two movies where... Uh, skylines are all kind of blues and purples and there's a lot of uh, reflective uh, aspects to like rainfall and things like that um, the the water is beautiful when that's uh, on screen uh, voice actors are great we watched the the, uh, the subbed version um, so uh, had no idea what they were saying except for the subtitles uh, but the the voice acting um, you know you could really feel the feel the emotion in the delivery from from the actors um Rad Wimps are back again to uh, to supply the soundtrack. Third movie in a row after Your Name and Weathering With You. Um, again, they do a really good job. Uh, they're not entirely responsible for the soundtrack this time around. Um, there was a co-credit for somebody else. Uh, and 
I'm really unprepared, so I don't have any of this information in front of me. So uh, I'll apologise for that now. Uh, but it's it's just it's a very very good movie. I don't think it topples your name from the top of my list, but it's it, it's the more I think about it and the more I ruminate on it, the the, the higher up and closer it gets. Genuinely, um, it's a, a really really fascinating movie to watch. It starts off very slow and then it builds and builds and builds. Um, one of the characters is uh, quite possibly one of my favourite uh, comedy sidekicks that I've seen in in very very long time. Um, so yeah, I I would recommend people check out Suzumi, even if um, you're not at all familiar with uh, Shinkai's work. I think that it could be something that uh, might turn some people onto anime. Honestly, it's it's just so beautiful, the soundtrack so good. Uh, it's well written. It's it's not overly long. It's just a shade over two hours, two hours and two minutes. So, uh, you know, that's the one thing against it. It's not that ideal film length that we realised uh, last week and the week before. But it's <laughs> it's not far off. And I was never bored throughout the runtime. And as someone famously once said, um, no, I've forgotten the quote now. So there, it wasn't that famous, was it? They, <laughs> they, they. they uh, I think the quote, I'm sure someone famous had a pause. So, sure. so, someone, someone famous once paused and said, "No, I can't remember <laughs> what I was going to say." Uh, no, they, uh, it's it is a famous quote, but I can't remember it bang on. So I'm just going to have to approximate it. Um, a movie is only over long when it becomes uh, un, um, no, no English not working today. Sorry. Gone, completely gone. It's an amazing quote. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I can't believe I remembered it. Uh, no, like a, a, a movie is, is only over long if it's not entertaining anymore. Is basically like the gist of it. So as long as a right. film is entertaining, then it's it's long enough. Um, and, and this was this definitely falls into the, to that category, even though it's only two hours. But yeah, I, I like Suzume a lot, and of course, I'm just a massive uh, Shinkai mark anyway. So I would say that regardless, uh, in the same way that I, I would uh, say for any DC movie. But genuinely, like this is a really, really good movie, um, and uh, I would recommend that people check it out and try not to find out too much about it before you see it, uh, because I, I do think that part of the magic of it is kind of discovering. Um, certain aspects of Suzume as a character as you go along, like her history and everything. Um, if you know all it up front, I think it might possibly take away from the impact of the uh, of, of the last third of the movie. But there we go. As per usual, my, my rambly, incoherent reviews of things that I've watched this week has come to an end. Um, who would like to go next? Uh, I can make it easy for us because I have ask. nothing. There we go. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, because Dave, you mentioned um, Demon Hunter a couple of times. Isn't it Demon Slayer? Or is this something? It is different? Demon Slayer. Why did I call it? I'm, yeah. I'm thinking of, of Monster Hunter for some strange reason that will be uh, yeah. be be mine and mine alone. Yeah, Demon Slayer. God. <laughs> the the funny thing is, I can remember the Japanese title, no problem. Kometsu no Yaiba. Um, but yeah, I fucked up the English name. Thank you, Andy. Um, Demon Slayer. No worries. Go and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and the interesting with interesting thing with um, Shinkai's last three movies, because you mentioned that Suzume is just a little over two hours, like two hours and a f four minutes or so. Hmm. They've gotten longer from movie to movie. 
Weathering with you was longer than your name, and mm. Suzume is longer than Weathering with you. And I don't think <laughs> it should be that way. He's getting out of control. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to his yeah. head. <laughs> the success <laughs> is making him think he's got more minutes. <laughs> maybe, maybe. No, I, I think, again, it comes down to, like, if you've got a story to tell, then, you know, you... I think that the amount of time that you use to tell a story is commensurate to the story you're telling, right? So, like yeah. the film that we're going to talk about today, I don't think it needed to be any longer than it needed to be, and any longer than it was. Uh, whereas I would say that Suzume absolutely deserves the two hours that it, the runtime that it has. Um, I, I would be open to arguments about weathering with you, about whether that needed to be quite as long as it was. Um, but... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Is it because he's got more complex stories to tell? Is it because he's becoming slightly, um, not up himself, but certainly more confident in the fact that he can tell these stories and people will be willing to sit through longer run times? It could be any one of these things. I don't know. Um, I, I guess we just have to leave it to the uh, the viewing audiences. If they turn up for his next movie, the three-and-a-half-hour epic um, and and nobody likes it, then I'm I'm sure that he'll stop making longer movies. Yeah, I just hope he doesn't add another ten minutes on the next one because it's it's all right if a movie stays under two hours. Speaking of movies under two hours, we had this conversation recently on our episode about the movie We Have a Ghost by Christopher Landon Land Landon <laughs> Christopher Landon. Um, which Did reminds you guys like me that, movie? Uh, that David might have something to say about uh, a couple of movies that he wasn't on these episodes for. We were lukewarm on the movie. All right. So was I on the on the half that I got to see. <laughs> there was yeah. there the yeah. so I only saw the first half. I watched a little bit more than that later, and I was <clears throat> I think I stopped and was like, I'm going to find out what they thought about it before I finish this. Um, it's too long. My big. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I felt that before by the midway mark. The, my biggest thing was, as I was watching it was like, man, this would have been a way better kids movie. Like the, mm. I, I felt like all of the elements were there for a good kids. And that's not me taking a shot. Like I just le legitimately, I was like the stuff with David Harbour, like he's, I thought he was good and he's emotive and like doing an amble, anything like that. I, I, when they were adding in the, the stuff that made it PG 13, I was like, eh, this doesn't really feel totally right anymore like it, it feels like yeah. you guys are making a kids movie but wanted to put bite on it because the 80s movies felt like that but i think that was because <laughs> back then things <laughs> it, it wasn't forced in the way that it felt in this one i don't know the the one thing that i did have a huge problem with and i could tell that they were building for some sort of redemption arc but anthony mackie is a, a total asshole to his kids yeah and, and well no not to his kids to so only the one <laughs> and I, I understood that it was supposed to be one of those things, or at least this was my perception on the first half, that was like, oh, you know, it's that classic thing where, like, the dad and the son are, are different and, and struggle to understand each other. But I, maybe it's because I have a kid, but there was so much stuff where I was like, you're out of your mind, dude. I would never say that to one of my kids. <laughs> like, it's, that's it's not, it's it's not crazy. Even, it's not even just him. Like, we mentioned on the episode the fact that 
one of them throws an orange at the um, at the, at the main oh, character. Oh yeah, in his face. And then, <laughs> and then his mum's first reaction is, "Don't throw that. <laughs> Organic fruit is expensive." Like she didn't yeah. care whether her son had been hit in the face with an orange. It was like, yeah, "Don't was... throw the organic fruit." So I yeah I, I I probably won't finish it then I there was there were definitely things about it that I liked um, that were happening here and there that I was like oh that's a cool moment or that I like that little performance choice or whatever hmm. um, but yeah it sounds like I was kind of on the same page as you guys I didn't hate it but it was definitely one where I found a lot of faults with it and I had a lot of issues with certain characters and the way they were portrayed yeah and um, you know I like I where the um, the song performance came from neither of uh, me or andy were quite sure like when he starts singing to Ernest to bring him out it's just oh yeah fucking random um, for the guitar yeah but yeah there you go <laughs> um uh, the, what, what was the other one you said andy sorry um just uh, because you weren't on last week for white zombie and i don't know if you had watched white so zombie that, no i saw that. the first 10 or 15 minutes maybe that was so that's connected to i can tell you guys off here that's connected to um why i wasn't able to finish it is connected to my friend thinking he was having a heart attack and all that stuff it's a it's a funny story when i can give you guys the full story later it sounds very (laughs) scary with with minimal details sorry Um, listeners you're just gonna have to be concerned (laughs) yeah he's, he's totally fine everything's totally cool um so yeah, so I didn't get to finish. I think that was about when I texted you guys and was just like, "I'm so sorry, things are just way too tight. I'm not going to be able to see it in time." Blah blah blah. Yeah, that's cool. So, what did you think of the ten little. minutes that you saw? <laughs> um, I I immediately remembered why I remembered these movies, mm. uh, which was like, "Oh shit, there's going to be some racist stuff in this, isn't there?" Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. there's yeah, like <laughs> that was the vibe I got right away, which was like, "Oh, this is going to be a topic we're going to be discussing." Like, holy shit. Um, but then I remembered, I was like, okay, yeah, that was a thing. I, I, I remembered that about the pre Romero zombie stuff, uh, that there were those two movies known for that. Isn't there a, um, a, uh, Wes Craven movie that kind of, um, operates in some of the similar, like pre Romero zombie, what's the name of it? Uh, I'm trying to remember yeah, now. I, I, name off the top of my head. Uh, okay. But do you, am I correct in that that movie exists by Wes Craven? I'm, I'm assuming assuming you're talking about the movie that i'm thinking of it's like the snake in the mountain or something i'm trying to remember the anyway that was the other one that i always kind of lumped in where i was like i know that's another um you know like zombie voodoo like take on it or whatever Mm -hmm. um so yeah i'm assuming you guys delved into that and then this week's movie i watched all of and there's similar stuff i guess to discuss (laughs) um and then for, in terms of this past week, uh, I ended up seeing three and one-thirds movie in the theaters, but none of them were. We talked about John Wick, um, saw the Mario movie with Daniel, really liked it, um, and uh, uh, Dungeons & Dragons, which I also liked as well. So it was a, it was a good week for movies, I, but I didn't get into any horror stuff along the way. Yeah, I, I saw a lot of uh, very happy people online about the Dungeons & Dragons movie, mainly because most of them play Dungeons & Dragons and were concerned that it was going to be a replay of the Jeremy Irons movie. <laughs> um, oh no. <laughs> which, <laughs> much, much better. <laughs> fortunately, much better, yeah. But like one yeah. of them in particular, and I don't know how it was that I started watching her videos and how it is that, well, I mean, I know why I'm being 
uh, prompted to watch more of them because I've watched one of them. That's how YouTube works, right? Uh, <laughs> but Ginny Dai or Ginny D, um, she's mm. uh, like a, a, a D&D player, dungeon master, um, probably best known for having bright green hair, although she's growing it out at the moment. Um, and like she did um, this brilliant breakdown on the original Dungeons & Dragons and like, I really, really hope this new one isn't anywhere as bad as this. Oh, and, no. And yeah, then she no. put out another video where she was like, good news, guys, this movie's really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really happy with it. Lots of Easter eggs, lots of good stuff. I um, told uh, I told Andy and I talked about it a little bit. I told Andy that, like, the it's, a, it's an adaptation of... I, I would have probably preferred, like, if they were going to make... Because I'm assuming they're going to make sequels and stuff now, which is awesome. I'm happy they made it. I'm happy it's been a success and they're going to make more. But they're adapting the lore but they're also adapting what it feels like to play D and like mm. th- you know things around that they don't go meta with it thankfully but there's so it's really a comedy kind of first and foremost and so it in, in some ways it reminded me of the taika ytt thor movies where they were adapting certain things from the comics and, and christian bale's case some like pretty sinister stuff and it looked great, and like they adapted it really well. But overall, the tone of the movies are so goofy that it's hard for you to take the serious stuff too seriously, mm. um, because overall, it's this like fun light time. Um, that was a totally subjective thing. That wasn't a failing on the movies part at all for me. Um, but like you're saying, like it's it's clearly made by people who like playing D and D, who like are trying to work in those experiences and the plot. Like you can point at different stuff and be like, Oh, that's a like overpowered NPC character. And you know, this over here, like, Oh, they're on like 14 side quests. Like you can kind of see the things that they're doing, um, without them, you know, pointing it out and making a joke about it or whatever. Hmm. Um, it feels very much like a Marvel movie and, and like a, I would say in a good way, but I mean, it has that structure. Um, it's kind of like fantasy guardians of the galaxy in a lot of ways, <laughs> which is one of my friends pointed out, which isn't a bad thing. <laughs> like that's, it's a, it's a really fun, like fun time kind of movie. Um, everybody in the movie is super likable and, and the performances are good. And it's just, I mean, Chris Pine's always charming or whatever he's in. So mm. for him to play like the charming bard of the group is a perfect match. And Hugh Grant's funny in it is like a total douchebag. So it's, <laughs> it's got a lot of fun stuff. It's, it's good. I know Andy, you and you and Bianca liked it too, right? Yeah, correct. We, uh, we had a very good time. Um, we did a double feature with Super Mario Brothers and then Dungeons and Dragons afterwards. And it was a, it was a good day at the movies. Good stuff. Very fun. So um, let me get back to my Christopher Landon thing, um, because on the We Have a Ghost episode, um, I I listed the runtimes of all of his movies. And <laughs> Sorry, man. I, thought first. <laughs> I didn't mean to hijack your point. I thought that you were just setting me up for the next thing. <laughs> all, all is well. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, anyway... Um, so I listed um, the runtimes of all of his movies, and We Have a Ghost was his first and only movie over two hours, and we came to the conclusion that the movie is too long, and, and mm-hmm. yeah, we basically had a very similar impression that you just mentioned that, yeah, it is. Um, it should have been directed towards younger audiences, or many aspects of the movie were probably aimed at a younger audience. And anyway... Um, I watched two movies in the wake 
of We Have a Ghost that could have been double feature picks because one stars David Harbour and the other one is directed by Christopher Landon. <laughs> and both were better than We Have a Ghost. Um, so we watched Violent Night, the David Harbour Christmas Die Hard uh, <laughs> yeah. movie. That's um, all I which I, I, I missed it at the cinema. Um, so we watched it re- um, recently. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's very entertaining. Um, yeah. David Harbour is good in it and and it's it's a it's a good time it's a good violent uh christmas movie and then we watched freaky the movie that christopher landon did before we have a ghost where vince vaughn plays a serial killer that switches bodies with a teenage girl so that the teenage girl is now inhabited by the like the the mind the ghost of the of the serial killers running around and killing people and uh in vince's vince vaughn's body there is the the teenage girl that tries to get her own body back um body back not body back um (laughs) and it's it's a it's a uh entertaining movie so uh, on the we have a ghost episode we we stated that christopher landon is a good filmmaker we have seen good movies by him we have a ghost is just isn't not his best but yeah freaky again uh um uh, absolutely entertaining movie and and yeah, recommended i can totally imagine having not seen freaky that vince vaughn loves playing girl in vince vaughn body <laughs> oh yeah i've, I've yeah. seen the first I'm, I'm, first 20 minutes of it twice <laughs> i just it turned out that both times i think it was when i was moving and stuff too so i've never finished the movie but uh, i had it seemed like it was going to be exactly what you just described very fun and that's definitely part of it dave where vince vaughn's like oh my god you guys come on like <laughs> there's a lot of that because <laughs> the thing is we've seen him play really disturbed violent nasty yeah. characters as well and he can do that just exceptionally well but then, I don't know, I, I like the idea of him acting like he's a teenage girl. <laughs> it just seems like something that would come really naturally to him as an actor for some reason. I need to finish it. Maybe I'll do that this week. Long-time listeners of this show may remember that very in the, in the early days, we often talked about that the Hopkins way to watch movies is to watch half a movie and never watch the rest. And it sounds <laughs> like we're, we've, we've come back to that era in David Hopkins' phase. Full well, so I, watched well. I watched 10 minutes of that. And <laughs> maybe I'll watch the rest of it at some point. <laughs> yeah, those, those, those are special cases. All right. Now I have, I, I often finish things a lot. Now I have like a house where I don't have to, have anything else going on and I can just watch a movie and there's not a million questions and stuff that uh, depends on the week. So I finish a lot more stuff now, but you're absolutely right. I mean, I just listed five <laughs> examples against myself at the same time. So <laughs> carry on. <laughs> so the third movie that I want to mention, not entirely, not, not, not specifically a, a horror movie, but a genre movie. It played at fantasy film first and it seems like the, the genre crowd that that watches horror movies and stuff like that uh, liked this movie a lot, uh, and I, I I liked it a lot too. And that's uh, the movie Pig, starring Nicolas Cage. Just this week, Nicolas Cage was on Stephen Colbert's show, and Stephen Colbert asked him for his five favorite movies of his, and he immediately said that Pig is the is his favorite movie out of his own filmography. And I, I had had seen Pig just a few days before that, and um, if you're not familiar with the with the movie Pig, and I've come up with a bad pun, it's basically 
Bacon Taken. So um, <laughs> Nicolas Cage is living, oh, living in the woods. You might be working um, on like that might be shit. the beginning of my turn to liking puns. That one was good. <laughs> that one was good. That made me laugh in, in a genuine way. You should have been in the the murder forest when Andy pointed out the the, the free stumped tree and said, "Look, a treesome." <laughs> That's good too. Yeah. <laughs> You yeah, should have been bacon. in the murder forest. You? <laughs> I mean, the suicide, suicide forest in Japan. Suicide forest. God damn it. Me, me and language just aren't working together today, apparently. Murder forest. <laughs> the murder, murder forest, forest does metal, sound like though. an 80s yeah, Japanese horror movie. <laughs> it's right next door to the suicide forest. You just <laughs> Wait, what are you doing? Don't kill yourself. That's next door. <laughs> So, um, Nicolas Cage is living in the woods, um, and he he sells truffles. So he has this truffle pig, um, and and he's close to to Portland. And one of the Wolf Brothers um, never can tell them apart. Alex or Nate, one of one, one of them. <laughs> oh, um, okay. Like, I thought you meant that the, in the movie the characters were, and I was like, that's no, a little on the, the nose to have a, a Wolf <laughs> Brother get the pig. <laughs> no, <laughs> were there no, three no, of no. them? <laughs> Okay, in real life. <laughs> yeah, the the actor, one of the wolfers, uh, is is the guy that visits him like once a week. Um, Got it. Gets the truffles and 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 supplies like the, the um, restaurants in in Portland with that stuff. And one day, suddenly, people intrude into Nicolas Cage's um, shed and steal the pig. So Nicolas Cage um, comes out of the woods uh, to the city on the search for his pig and makes his way through the 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 restaurant scene and the the like produce sellers and buyers um searching for his pig and it's very much it is very much a john wick situation it's it's a it's a revenge movie but it is entirely different from what i expected it to be in that sense it's it's not the kind of revenge movie that you would expect from me comparing it to John Wick or Taken. <laughs> because Nicolas Cage's weapons are of an entirely different kind from any revenge movie I've ever seen, probably. Mm. It's a very good movie. I don't want to spoil too much about it, about what it does and, and, and where it goes. But I, uh, I recommend you watch it. I really wanted to see it when it came out. I heard a lot of good things. Um, but it was, from what I remember, it was around a time when I was at my absolute saddest and lowest I've probably ever been in my life. And I was like, it kind of looks might, like it might be sad, <laughs> so maybe I shouldn't watch it yet. Um, so I put that one kind of on the back burner. Um, no pun intended on that one. Um, either way you want to go with back or with burner. Um, but anyway, I've heard it's great. But I I feel like I can withstand whatever sadness it may or may not bring me now. Back then, it just seemed too bleak. Um, but everyone loves it. Also, was Mandy on his top five movies? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. So, and with that, let's get to our main topic of the week. I Walked with a Zombie is a 1943 American horror film directed by Jacques Tourneur and produced by Val Luton for RKO Pictures. It stars James Ellison, Francis D. and Tom Conway 
and follows a Canadian nurse who travels to care for the ailing wife of a sugar plantation owner in the Caribbean, where, where she witnesses voodoo voodoo rituals <laughs> and possibly encounters the walking dead the screenplay written by kurt siad mac and ardell ray is based on an article of the same title by Ines wallace and also partly reinterprets the narrative of the 1847 novel jane eyre by charlotte bronte high literature boys high literature <laughs> so how familiar are you with the oeuvre of charlotte bronte and what can you tell us about its influence on this movie go Any of you? <laughs> uh, I mean, I can. I'm familiar enough with Jane Eyre to be like, holy fuck, this is Jane Eyre. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> it's not different almost at all. <laughs> so, I mean, there's not a zombie in Jane Eyre, but it's literally just a different name for the same situation, kind of. Um, I, that was, that's that shocked me. I, I read that before I started watching it. Um, and my sister, uh, Hannah, used to watch the uh, one of the Jane Eyre adaptations all the time. Um, there was another movie, uh, another, was it, who wrote the other one? Anyway, I can't remember now. There's a, my mom used to watch them too. And so I kind of got these stories through osmosis. And as I was watching this one, I was like, oh, it's just the, it's just Jane Eyre. <laughs> like they should have credited Charlotte Bronte because they, they changed some, some atmospheric environmental fringe details. Uh, but yeah, all the brother stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it's that. It's on Wikipedia, it says, Producer Luton asked screenwriters Kurt Siedmerg and Ardell Ray to research the practices of Haitian voodoo and use Charlotte Bronte's Jane Eyre as a model for their narrative structure. <laughs> That's what they did. <laughs> Purpet, pur pur purportedly proclaiming that he wanted to make a West Indian version of Jane Eyre. <laughs> that is mad. Like, yeah. who, 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 honestly, with no prompting, would sit there and think to themselves, do you know what we need? We need an adaptation of Jane Eyre with a zombie in it. That's what we need. Also, <laughs> West Indies. Definitely West Indies. And uh, can we have some colonialism thrown in for good measure? Yeah, let's do that as well. <laughs> Madness. So, um, producer Val Luton is famous for producing a series of cheaper horror movies in the 40s. Some of them directed by Jacques Tourneur. So, it's, uh, it's, that's his own thing that you one could get into or watch the filmography of Turner and, and Luton and maybe at some point we will watch another of their movies. Um, so last week when we talked about um, White Zombie, a movie from the 30s, now we have I Walked With a Zombie, a movie from the 1940s and I did get a very different vibe from this movie than from last week's movie probably also because of Jane Eyre. So I'm. I'm not. I, I know the name. That's it. I have no. Uh, I've never seen any uh, movie adaptation or read any of the books of all the Brontes or Jane Austens or, or whatever. So I, I. I. I know phrases and names, but not, none more than that. So I, I wouldn't have noticed any any uh, Jane Eyre influences on on this movie. But this movie is way more of a like serious drama and yeah. less of a pulp horror movie than than white zombie was hmm. white zombie of course bela lugosi and his style of acting and and the, the villain character that that he portrays way more settled in, in 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 the horror genre than um i walk with the zombie was and and just 
the movie starting with the off-screen narration from the female protagonist um, just gives it a whole different vibe of I'm telling you my story, what I encountered on my on my um, adventures in the Caribbean when once I traveled from Canada to to the island and encountered this native religion and this weird case of the the, the wife having become a a zombie and falling in love with a guy and and then there's the other guy and all that stuff so very different vibe um i thought it looked very nice i thought they put a lot of thought into lighting and and like texture where they had light coming through blinds or curtains um so that to to make the the yeah the the faces more interesting with shadows and light and, and, and things like that. Um, so I, I enjoyed that. And David already mentioned the whole uh, problem with racism in in those early movies and, and colonialism. And we, we talked a lot about that in, uh, in on the White Zombie episode. Now, David, you haven't watched all of White Zombie, but to me, I thought... Um, that I Walked With a Zombie was way less problematic <laughs> than, than the, the, the whole portrayal of uh, natives and voodoo and everything yeah. was in, in yeah. White Zombie. So. I mean, I could I, I, I haven't seen White Zombie like you said, but based off the 10 minutes that I saw and the, all of this movie that I saw, I agree. <laughs> like it... It was, and and based off what I read in Wikipedia, I'm sure you guys read similar stuff, or if not the same thing. Um, yeah. The rituals, practices, ter- I guess, are surprisingly accurate um, from what I read or, or researched. And um, so, yeah, that, I don't know. I think there are still aspects. It's another thing, too, about the whole race part of it. I feel so undereducated on, on, like discussing it i guess just because there's so many facets to it there's you know film in the 40s like there's just all these different things the it was interesting reading through those sections um on wikipedia but there was also a part of me that was like man there's a lot of terms that are going over my head (laughs) and references to things and, and everything else to where it was like i i'd like to sit down and read like a book about you know, this sort of stuff where it's like a more comprehensive thing. Cause I could tell that a lot of the analysis was coming from places that I just have no knowledge of, uh, if that makes any sense. But yeah, I could tell, I mean, immediately it, it felt tonally different than the first, first 10 minutes of, of white zombie. I mean, the good news is that, um, having seen the first 10 minutes of white zombie, you have seen the sum total representation of the native people of that Island. Um, oh really? In White Zombie, because there's literally, apart from one guy who I suspect was in blackface, you meet no other locals at all in the entirety of that movie. They're all white colonialists. Um, but David, you missed the wonderful sentence that the oh God. the fiance says when the missionary tells him that, well, your wife was buried, but. She's up and walking, so she's not really dead. And then the fiancé says, you mean she's alive and with the natives? That's even worse. 
Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. That's I uh, <laughs> if I didn't answer just now, guys, all my audio went out for about thirty seconds. Um, so if there was any weird pauses there, that's why I couldn't hear anything. <laughs> Don't worry, it's all good. Okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah. Um, Dave, was there anything before we cut you off that you wanted to say? No, not really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, With White Zombie, we talked about like the the white suits, all the white people being in white suits, as compared to the the natives who work in the fields and and therefore can't really wear white clothing, and that's a signifier for the the, the problematic power structure in that era and 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 when the fiance says our west indies so the mm. very possessive nature of, of of those phrases and and stuff like that and i thought when in i walked with a zombie it it didn't seem as problematic the whole representation of black people in the in the movie and and their agency and and their own culture seemed more sensitive and w David, what you just said about I don't know enough, I'm, I'm not studied enough. And that, that is something that we talked about last week as well on the White Zombie episode that we're not in the perfect position to talk about mm -hmm. the, the racism in these movies. But we try to at least say something <laughs> about it. No, and totally. Hopefully don't, yeah. don't make uh, fools of ourselves. Um, And yeah, you, you it's, mentioned it's not for me. It's not a, a mm -hmm. like I'm not worried about getting quote unquote canceled <laughs> or anything. It's more just uh, the literal definition of ignorance for a lot of the stuff where it's like, well, I'm discussing it on on a, a more granular level is something I'm just not capable of doing at this point. But um, mm -hmm. obviously, it's something that needs to be at the very least mentioned because you have to put it in context. And still, there's stuff that you know, whatever else. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm with you. I, I didn't want to make it sound like, I don't really want to say anything because I agreed with all of it. Like, no, that's not why <laughs> it's more just cause it's, there's a lot of nuance. And I mean, I, I'm sure you guys mentioned, um, or I'm guessing you guys mentioned horror noir last week that we did an episode on the documentary, which was fantastic. And that was like one of my first glimpses into just the, the amount of stuff I didn't know. That was one of the things that was exciting for me about that film and, and seeing all these new writers and voices and films that they were talking about and uh, realizing, like, man, I, I don't know any of this stuff. And it sounds, you know, fantastic. And, and watching the the history that I had never really seen as clearly as they they lay it out in that movie. Um, anyway, sorry, tangent, but... And listeners may remember we did several episodes inspired by our watching of Horror Noir about black horror. And um, we will do another one of those episodes soon. Maybe next week, maybe the week after. I'm not entirely sure yet. But we have another movie coming that was a big part in the Horror Noir yeah. um, documentary as well. And so just to... That was... That was exactly the idea to counter these yep. racist-laden uh, zombie movies <laughs> yeah. with uh, another movie um, that yeah is is comes from a from a different point of view and and to to yeah for us shed some light on on, on black horror again yeah 
how, how did you like the I don't know the how the movie was made the the acting the cinematography the the storytelling but Dave mentioned something about I'm I'm happy it wasn't longer and maybe it shouldn't have been as long as it was so <laughs> what was your what was your experience with the movie Dave the uh, I, I mean the reason I say that is just because if, if you actually look at the nuts and bolts of the story there's not any more there to justify a longer runtime I it's not like I wanted it necessarily to be like much much shorter but it definitely wouldn't have uh, been right to, to give it any more runtime um I think one of the things that I noticed about the film and one of the things I really appreciated about it, and this goes back to what I was talking about last week, was the fact that um, the performances felt a lot more natural to me. They they felt a lot more restrained, less over the top, less shouty. Um, and that, that probably comes down again to what we were talking about last week. About I mean, first of all, we're 10 years further down the line uh, in the development of, of uh, motion picture making and technology and the microphones are better and the cameras are better you don't have to make be quite so loud and enunciate quite so much for yourself to be recorded correctly um although there is that wonderful uh, middle pacific accent that uh, one of the two brothers has got which is just dear lord i i love myself a, a middle pacific accent i think um, you mean mid-atlantic mid-atlantic accent sorry the, the other ocean yeah i i think i'm very slowly losing my faculties here so thank you for that andy i can't remember shit um so yeah i i, I did like the fact that it felt like a slightly more natural um performance from a lot of the actors um i was also quite taken by the fact that you've got a a story which is set in the the west is it in the west indies they they meant antigua wasn't it i think it was antigua they mentioned antigua at the very beginning of the film um and you actually have representation of black actors and actresses in this movie rather than just well we need some people digging a hole at the beginning of the movie and, and burying someone in the middle of the road. So let's just get some people in to, to do that. And then we'll focus exclusively on our white cast. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't dress things up as being any more, any better or glamorous than, than what it actually was. They're still servants uh, that are working for uh, people that own a sugar plantation. There is still that feeling of um, ownership you know of colonialism that that kind of rides over the top of it all uh the scene where they're having a, a drink in town and uh, that guy is singing a song about the dutch brothers and then someone points out to him that one of the dutch brothers is over there mate maybe you shouldn't be singing about it and he's I like, love that I love that dude yeah yeah I, I it really kind of there was something about it which really rang very true, and I, I like his performance, the way that it's represented. He goes over and apologizes for it and, and tries to make his excuses, and it's, it's just a song that I learned. I didn't realize if, if you were here, I wouldn't have sung it. Like You could tell that there was a, a level of... It, it wasn't even just a respect thing. It was like a fear thing. Like If I get on the wrong side of this guy, I'm in serious trouble. And that he wasn't apologizing because it was the right thing to do. It was more because he was kind of fearful of the consequences if he didn't get back on side with with with, with uh, Wes, I think was his name. Um, but overall, I I do think that the film is a lot better than what Zombie was, um, even if it hasn't got Bella Lugosi. I, I kind of in two minds 
about the ending. I mean, you've mentioned about Jane Eyre. I haven't got a clue about Jane Eyre, despite where I come from. Um, does that move, does that story end with uh, two people drowning each other in uh, hopelessly in love? Uh, like, or, or, or is that like uh, something that they've brought in for this film? Because I, so, I like the idea of the the voodoo priest. Almost like I don't know if Wes drowns her and himself because he can't stand her to be the way she is anymore, or because he was somehow being controlled by someone that was practicing voodoo. So get this. They changed fire to water. Oh, damn. That's it. <laughs> from, what I, from what I remember, pretty much, that's it. Well, like, they, yeah, there's, she dies at the end, and there's a fire in, like, the attic or whatever, and where she's, like, locked up, and, yeah. Wow. Not much of a change. She still <laughs> dies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if we're going to have any listeners who are like, this guy is butchering. Uh, Jane Eyre because I probably am I mean I, I know the broad strokes and the characters names and stuff like that but I don't have every detail but that is a big part of the third act um, and, and Jane Eyre so mm. I would imagine that's also where it came from okay so okay so that that makes sense as to why they went that way with her character because I suppose like the fairy tale kind of storybook ending would be that somehow she's cured and she ends up with Wes and the nurse ends up with uh, the, with the the British brother, and everyone lives happily ever after. And they didn't go that route, and that's probably for the best. Um, I it's it's interesting that they didn't go the route of oh I can fix him with with the relationship of of the nurse and and her employer because and I, I it's weird because I think they only don't go that way because he basically says, right, you need to leave because I'm falling in love with you and I don't want to be an asshole to you like I was my wife. Um, like he's, Which he's, is hilarious. It, it's hilarious because it shows a level of self-awareness that I think a lot of those kind of characters in movies don't seem to have. Um, um, well, I, this movie could also be called I Walked with a Gaslighter, to use a, a modern term. <laughs> like, the this is a lot, there's a lot of scenes in this movie of men telling women how they feel. Like, li- literally, there's one point where she's like, this is what I want to do. Mm. And uh, the guy's like, actually, it's not. <laughs> like, he literally is like, <laughs> it, it's not what you want, unfortunately. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I understand it's a different time and everything, but... That's that's one thing that is kind of frustrating. I, I think just from a narrative perspective is that it's it's everyone telling her how everything is, and there's kind of a reversal in that when they reveal that the the mom was the one who um, kind of orchestrated it or whatever. Mm. Um, but you know, she still ends up with the guy and is in love with him. I mean, it's a my my take of the movie overall was kind of like yeah, it's all right. Like I I I didn't I didn't dislike it necessarily. It was one of those where I'm glad I watched it um, straight up for, like, historical, you know, reasons in terms of horror and zombies and the genre and everything else. But I, it's also one that I'm like, I don't know that I'd, I could see myself watching this ever again. Um, oh, no. Like, it's it's watchable for sure. I, I wasn't, like, you know, constantly distracted, but it's not... It has... To me, this is... When I was younger... This to me was why I didn't like old movies is how I viewed it, you know, in more of an ignorant, you know, younger way, like, or I should say black and white movies like they all felt like this kind of movie to me, 
when I was younger, which is the like, well, listen here, and you know, come over here, and no, you don't feel that kind of the acting and the look and. Um, that being said, like, uh, Andy, you mentioned earlier, there definitely absolutely were moments that stood out where I was like, oh, and even script wise, there were a couple of moments. I liked the, uh, when she's talking about better gods, um, she's having the conversation with, uh, the lead character. I forgot everyone's names, but she's basically talking about the fact that she can take the wife to cure her or whatever to the, yeah. to the thing. And, um, there was some dialogue in that and like structure choices on how things were delivered that I thought was was pretty interesting. Um, so yeah, definitely has merits, but it wasn't one where I was like blown away by or it felt ahead of its time. It felt like a movie from back then that was before we had zombies like we know them now. <laughs> like that's yeah. it, it feels like what it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is very much the kind of movie. And and that was the the, the practice in, in in this case where the producer said we have a title we have a poster keep yeah. it under seventy minutes this is the budget oh not a lot of money it's a very low budget right get me a movie made and so and and this I mean this is this is basically a a shortcut to say let's make Jane Eyre with a zombie yeah, <laughs> yeah. um uh, let's make John Wick with a pig. Uh, and and but for that kind of like B picture, it didn't have the the B movie genre elements and thrills and schluckiness mm-hmm. <laughs> that we sometimes enjoy so much. But it is pretty much a straight up drama, and y- if if you don't view the the zombie element as a genre element but as a cultural religious element from a place that we don't know enough about you don't have any horror elements or supernatural elements or anything like that in this movie it is very much about the the the, the drama between the characters um and for that it it is I thought, yeah, it is. It is a well-made movie, um, but it doesn't really have that entertainment factor that we usually get from the movies that we talk about on here. Yeah, um, it's very much one of those like. Pe- oh, sorry, I was just gonna say it's very much one of those where it's a movie that you bring up where you're like, well, you know, technically, Night of the Living Dead wasn't the first zombie movie. Like, not that any of us would act like that kind of asshole, but, like, this is one of those, like, movies that you know about uh, that, you know, is part of the history. What's the other one? People always bring up Peeping Tom when people talk about Psycho, you know, and make the points that, you know, this was the first one. A lot of people chime in and say, oh, there's this, or we did one of them. Or was it Peeping Tom that we did? We did do. We, Peeping we did Tom. peeping Tom, and then we did peeping Tom. Black, yeah, yeah. Black Christmas in the slasher discussion, right. and you always right. have these proto movies before the big breakout movie. Yeah. yeah. Totally. There were a few things that I was really surprised by in this movie, and that was specifically the the open mentioning and almost discussion of of slavery and that colonialist situation um, mm-hmm. when. The, the plantation owner um, explains to, to the nurse um, the, the, the history of the place, and he, he, he says, quote, the misery and pain of slavery, and he says, this is a sad place. So the whole situation is based on, 
on injustice and and mm-hmm. and the the relationships between all the people on this island are based on on the injustice of slavery and when she is she's on that that horse and carriage um on, on her way to the and to the to the house and and the, the the black driver tells her the story about how his ancestors or parents were brought to this island how black people were brought to this island so he specifically mentions the slave trade and then she says mm-hmm. they brought you to a beautiful place and he says if you say so miss if, if you, you say, say so, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah and that is pretty early on in the movie and that is something that i did not expect from this movie that it is so open about the the whole topic of of slavery and it of course it isn't like a 21st century discussion of slavery in 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 in, in the west indies or Carib- in the caribbean but i didn't expect it to be as openly mentioned in a movie from 1943. Um, one thing before um, you can take over, one shot that I really, really liked uh, in the beginning of the movie, because the movie, um, before she, before the nurse gets to San Sebastian, um, she has this interview situation about the position the sh- she's about to take um, as, as a nurse in, in the Caribbean. And the, the guy describes the place to her, and he mentions palm trees, And and that is the last shot yeah, you have of her when she says palm trees, and behind her you have the window um, with w- w- where it's snowing outside. She, she's in Canada where it's it's cold and and it's snowing, <laughs> and she's she's delighted by the idea of palm trees and and, and sun point. and warmth, and that is something that I, where I thought a a movie of this type and budget doesn't need to do that. That there was someone who put a lot of thought into that shot that, that someone said let's have it snow in the background so that we have this this um, dichotomy of her thinking about I'm gonna go to the Caribbean and in the background it's snowing so we know okay it, she's she's cold and miserable where she is and that's why she wants to go to well, I was um, literally just job. distracted by her reaction to the word palm trees because um, th- that seemed to be what made her mind up for her not the job not the pay not anything it was like it's sun sea palm trees palm trees <laughs> oh well sign me up you should have left you should have led with palm trees because you know i'm a i'm a, a proper horticulturalist um, <laughs> and it's also the perfect example of what we've talked about in pre- previous episodes of um visual storytelling so mm. giving you s- yeah. stuff without a character actually saying it out loud Because she could have said, it's so cold here, I'll go there. <laughs> yeah. But they, they eliminated the that. Yeah, no, it's cleverly done. Um, I, I do think it was uh, it was that fact that they were open about acknowledging the topic of slavery that I, I felt it was quite a refreshing alternative, certainly to White Zombie, where it was very hush-hush and, and kind of swept under the carpet. And, yeah, well, look, it, look, we do have black people on the island. Here's a bunch in the road at the beginning of the movie, and you're not going to see another one until like the very end. So make the most of it, because we're just going to feature on the rich white people that took advantage of this land and its resources for their own gain for the next 60 to 70 minutes. Um, oh, except for that one guy, but we think he might be in blackface, so, you know, never mind. Um But this one, it's like you've got black actors in in roles where they're allowed to act like actual normal human beings rather than, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir, yes, massa, all this kind of stuff. 
Um, and you you get those moments like you mentioned with with the coach driver. Um, you know, if if you say uh, if you say miss, if you say where it's like they're just openly allowing them to question the the thoughts and beliefs of of the the, the lead white actress here, um, and it's not like a, a comedy moment. It's more of a well, no, you don't really understand what I'm trying to say. You know, you, you, you could it's bring also, me to heaven, and and if it was against my will, I wouldn't be happy here. That kind of thing. It's also a strange sort of like. I don't know. I, I, this is a, one of those points where I'm like, I'm not educated enough about all the stuff around it to, to speculate or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also an element of it too, where it's like, it makes me wonder when the writer was putting it together. Cause like you said, Andy, and, and you just mentioned too, Dave, like there are these direct mentions of how slavery is bad and this awful thing. And it's places built, built on sadness and everything else. But ultimately like, that stuff is more or less inconsequential to all the white people, like all the characters in the movie that, um, it, to the point that even the mom is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just tell them to boil their water to get the demons out. Mm. Like that they're, and, but there's still, I would, I would argue. I mean, I, I, I perceived it this way. Like there's still the, like char- the lead characters of the movie. <laughs> like it's, it's not a, it's not a character study into where you're like, Oh, I have to contend also with the fact that they're viewing, they're just so ignorant and oblivious. You know, if you say so, ma'am, like the, the, the white people to what's going on, or is it one of those things where it's like, well, we acknowledge that it's, it's a sad thing, but what are you going to do? Like, is it more of that kind of, of, of way, cause it's a weird thing to have it. a writer acknowledge that it's bad, but then still have the characters kind of be like, well, you know, mm we don't care enough. <laughs> like it's, it's a, I don't know. It's just what a, I, I can't imagine. It makes me wonder just in terms of, I don't know, again, so much. I don't know, but writing about uh, racial tensions, we're, we're going to be, a, are going to be a completely different thing in the forties. Um, and what was the atmosphere around that? And I don't know, just a lot of questions still. Yeah. I think the characters are very much set in their ways and set in this, society in this structure and this power structure and they don't really have a way or they're not looking for a way out of that situation and random aside i watched a few minutes of um the charlton heston ben-hur uh today it was on tv and i i i I like that movie so i watched a few minutes um and there was this scene where um charlton Heston's character is visited by an, an older character who is um who is his slave and he he mentions being being the slave but they have a they have a friendly very friendly relationship even and 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 so it, the topic comes up that he is the slave to to charlton Heston's character and charlton Heston's character says when I inherited you from my father, I didn't inherit a slave. I inherited a friend. <laughs> oh, <laughs> boy. You still own that guy. <laughs> he, he is he is per, he is there to ask you for uh, um, the that 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 you allow his daughter to get married. He has to ask you because he wants 
to marry his daughter yeah, to some other guy. He's so one of those he, good slave owners. <laughs> right. <laughs> Problem is, exactly. uh, as well, is that, and, and I, I don't believe that the conversations about this were necessarily anywhere near as nuanced as, as uh, it might seem from, from saying this, but it is a drama about Ben-Hur, which is set like thousand years, two thousand years hence. So, you know, are are they representing the attitudes of modern day people towards slavery or are they representing the attitude of Ben Hur towards slavery? Well I think that's the problem is that they're trying to do both. They're trying yeah. to they're trying to say like, okay, this had this, but also I mean there were similar criticisms um that uh, the Patriot, that Mel Gibson movie about the Revolutionary War, he plays the version mm-hmm. of the Swamp Fox and all that. Um I've seen that movie a million times. I watched it a lot growing up, and the uh, he is he has slaves on his like plantation, but they're like freed slaves. I think I'm trying to remember who like just loved working there, and th- he pays them. So it's like this thing where it's like uh, uh, you guys are really trying to soften the fact that this dude owned people because it's the protagonist of the movie, and it's like oh no no no, well he was a good slave owner <laughs> like. It, it got a lot of criticism for the same thing. I mean, there's critical race, all this stuff that's happening now where it's like the, that stuff. I mean, my dad has talked to me or told me about history books that he read in, in school growing up in the South where it's just, you know, some people liked being slave. You know, stuff that – insane stuff that they would put in these textbooks mm. um, to kind of soften and erase that. So I don't know if that's exactly what was happening with Ben-Hur, but that's the vibe I get. Is that they were like, yeah, yeah, but you know, they were they were best buds. Like, don't call it slaves. That's weird. They were, you know, forced friends. <laughs> like, it's just so <laughs> so strange. Yeah, I don't know if I have anything else to say about this. Um, <laughs> it's fine. I, I don't know that I would, you know, tell anyone to go out of their way to watch it. Um, but I think th- I didn't have a th- horrible I mean, time the- with it. Why we watch these movies is to have a comparison to the era or, or to, to get some knowledge of the yeah. pre-Romero zombie era. That's yeah. when, th- These movies come up when you talk about, well, there's the Romero zombie, but there were zombies before that who are probably closer to the original like religion, culture, whatever. And, and then the zombie in genre fiction changed very much from what the original w- originally was and then of course the Romero zombie the Romero put such a strong stamp on the zombie genre that since then I don't know is is there another version <laughs> since Romero since Night of the no. Living Dead um, variations on that specific theme yeah the the I read a little bit about uh, that name specifically and him using zombies because it's another kind of well-known trivia piece, whatever that he called them ghouls in the script yeah. for Night of the Living Dead. Um, and the thing I read the other day was that it, it, it was straight up everyone else calling them zombies that he finally was just like, all right, they're zombies. Like that was it. <laughs> like there, that's how they became the, the new zombie thing. So then when he wrote Dawn of the Dead, he used the word zombie instead of ghoul. So it, it's also a strange kind of thing to where it's like it was an evolution, but some aspects of it were just literally a name change. Um, and then that was the thing that become becomes popular. And then, like you said, that redefines everything from then on. It's it's like it's a weird thing for me to compare this to, but it's like uh, all pretty much all fantasy stuff now has tropes rooted in 
Lord of the Rings. I mean, there's the classes and everything else. Like, that's Daniel put it together the other day. We were watching. I was showing him scenes from Lord of the Rings, and he was like, "Oh, it's like um, Diablo three, which we'll play." Or he's like, and, "And Chaos Bane, which is like a Warhammer game that's basically Diablo." And I had to be like, "Yeah, all of those ideas of like." the little dwarf with the axes and the the like blonde guy with green clothes who has a bow and arrow like that stuff all started and was rooted in this one place that everything grew out of and that's like just kind of an accepted thing now and i think zombies been the same same way like it it hit the way it did and then it just that is the genesis point for i mean the walking dead is that not this in terms of a, a cultural impact yeah and I think to to get a bit of a historic glimpse of the zombie genre, these two movies that we watched over the past two weeks serve um, a, a nice selection where White Zombie is more the, the the horror genre version of that early zombie movie. And I Walked With a Zombie is probably a closer, more realistic depiction of the original zombie lore yeah yeah i agree i wish i had more to add but i, <laughs> we, I mean we've uh, that the aspect of the movie we've have. nailed <laughs> it's, it is what it is <laughs> dave anything you want to add Stephen oh Lock god it's all gone quiet oh uh, there you go you're back <laughs> sorry i had a bloody delivery come <laughs> you're all good man uh, did you have any other thoughts on the movie is what we were checking in with you on yeah there was one more thing which i wanted to mention but i didn't know when to put it um at the beginning of the movie when it comes up with all of the information about the film there's something at the bottom and it's your same old you know the uh the the events in this movie are purely fictitious and any characters uh that uh, are resembled either living or dead Except this one says uh, any, any fiction, any characters that, uh, that uh, resemble anyone living, dead, or possessed. Uh, oh, wow. I thought that that, <laughs> I was, that, that was a fun little thing that they threw in there. Certainly not That's something cool. I would expect from <laughs> mid forty cinema. So, also not something that the rest of the movie has the spirit of at all. <laughs> like, nope. no, there's what? no possession in there. No, no, it's 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 an all right movie. I, I think that what you guys uh, said before I was called away. Um, was uh, pretty much spot on. Like it's one of those ones that uh, does get brought up, and uh, it's worthwhile having knowledge of it so that you can uh, think about how it, it plays into the the larger kind of zombie um, fiction over uh, now that uh, we've got the the Romero style zombies and then everything that came since then. Um, it's not something that I would necessarily watch again. Uh, I think it's it's nice short movie. So if someone's going to watch it, just so they can kind of like fill out their knowledge of pre Romero zombies, then it's definitely uh, a, a pro- I, I would say it's definitely a better time than White Zombie is. Um, I, I suppose it depends on on what you like out of your horror movies. If you want really schlocky, lingering camera shots of Bela Lugosi staring at the camera like you've just farted in a lift and he's the only other person in there. Then maybe White Zombie is the movie for you, but if that's, you, that's a blurb. <laughs> there you go. Um, the but if, but if you prefer uh, movies that know the story they're going to tell and tell it in a uh, in a in a really kind of like decent time frame, um, and maybe you're a little bit light on on the horror aspects, then this is is more like your one. Um, 
the end of the movie I, I find quite interesting just because I don't think it's quite it's quite it's not quite sure whether um, the brother was uh, being kind of controlled via voodoo or whether he was doing it of his own volition he acts like he's in a in a trance but at the same time he's being followed by that huge lurching zombie looking guy with the bug eyes um, who was definitely under the uh, jurisdiction of, of the voodoo uh, uh, voodoo doctor I guess I don't know um, the, the the witch doctor or the voodoo priest or whatever whatever they they, they were calling him um, so I'm kind of in two minds about that why would you have one of your people under your thrall chasing after the other one under your thrall but eh, I don't know um <laughs> it's it's a it's an okay movie. I, I I'd say if you've not seen it, then it, you're not going to really take up too much of your time just to to fill out your knowledge. Might be worth checking out, but I wouldn't expect to, it to pull up any trees. It's it's not one of those films. You know, it's it's not like a Gone with the Wind or something like that. Talk about movies with bloody racist <laughs> uh, stereotypes <laughs> running through them. <laughs> I wonder why I came up with Gone with the Wind. Um, but yeah, you know, there's 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 plenty of movies out there that have had more of an effect on cinema, whether it be for the awards they received or the influence that they had over later projects. I don't necessarily think that this is one of them. Well, speaking of Great double 1940s suits. I doubt uh, that's your double feature pick, Dave, but <laughs> what are our double feature picks? Uh, Andy, what's yours? So I have two things written down, and I don't know if, if any of you have one of these. I'll just mention both I, because I, I usually don't pick movies that I haven't seen myself, but one of those things that I've wrote down is one that I have not seen. But the first movie that I thought of was Angel Heart because of the oh, yeah. depiction of the, all the, the, the voodoo rituals and, and stuff like yeah. that I mean st- story wise they, they aren't very close but those scenes felt like 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 sister scenes to me yeah. the, the the depictions of the rituals um, and so yeah Angel Heart we did an episode of that and then the other one which I haven't seen combining classic literature with the zombies, Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. God damn it. Um, <laughs> so, as I said, I, I, I thought it was a possibility that one of you would have a, the same idea. So I'm going with Angel Heart. Dave, what's your double feature pick? <laughs> I literally didn't have one until uh, Jane Eyre was mentioned. And then I was like, oh, well. This makes perfect sense. So, yeah, I, I was <laughs> going to pick Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies, um, which, similarly to you, Andy, I've not actually seen. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I guess uh, that's going to... I'm now going to have to go and watch Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies so that... I, we have I the can... book on the shelf, but I haven't read it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have the book as well, actually, strangely. Um, so, uh, yeah. I also have the I have the book digital I have the movie and haven't watched it. We we all have a connection to this thing none of us have consumed. <laughs> What's your pick, David? Uh mine's straight up. So I mentioned there was another movie I was trying to remember earlier that I absorbed a lot of growing up through uh it just the tape being played all the time by my mom and sister. Um, but this one I, I will stand by. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with me. It, it has plenty of acclaim, but it's pretty forgotten and would not be a movie I would watch unless I had someone tell me it's really good. And that's Sense and Sensibility uh, by Ang Lee 
Um, Emma Thompson wrote the script, the fantastic script, fantastic adaptation. And she is also um, one of the leads, along with Kate Winslet, Hugh Grant, Alan Rickman. Um, it's got a great cast and uh, awesome performances. It's legitimately just a good movie. <laughs> and the any, any of the times that when we were watching, when we, like the three of us watched together, but that I was watching and I walked with a zombie, that it felt like one of those I was just kind of like, man, this just makes me want to watch Sense and Sensibility, which is a better movie that's this. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, great. It's 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 a good movie all around. I mean, it is straight up period piece adaptation. Um, but there's a, I, I'm a I like Emma Thompson a lot. I think she's a, a great writer and has a very interesting approach to how she does things creatively. Um, so if you want to go on an even deeper dive, I also suggest and recommend uh, they put out a book that she did that is the screenplay along with her journals from when they were filming. It was a pretty pretty awesome book. Um, and that was one of the first, that was probably the first, uh, like screenplay I ever looked through or like, I, I don't know that I read the script. I read the journal parts, but, um, my mom had the book growing up and that was like my first experience to like a film script structure and everything else. Uh, so very cool book if you get into the movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a great time. It's a, it's a, it's a better movie than this one, but, um, <laughs> there aren't any zombies. Just, oh. just Hugh Grant being awkward. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's that. nearly the same thing. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, you've, you've got one that just shambles around making noises that no human would possibly ever make, and then on the other <laughs> hand, you've got zombies. It's your Hugh Grant impression. <laughs> it's one of them. I, I have many. The other one involves uh, a lady of the night and a hundred dollars. Um, uh, sure. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> The um, classic. <laughs> on the subject of Emma Thompson, a little aside, uh, because I always like pointing people in the way of this podcast. Um, not this podcast, the podcast I'm about to mention. I do point people to this one as well, so don't worry. Um, <laughs> Emma Thompson once appeared. I always liked Emma Thompson anyway, but my love for her kind of grew to a whole new level when she appeared on a, a Footnotes episode of My Dad Wrote a Porno. Um, oh really that's awesome yeah and like she was just so approachable and relatable and she talked about this book that she wrote for her daughter which was like a sex education book and they were thinking of publishing it and like she just seemed like she wasn't like one of i i don't know i always had this feeling like she was like prim and proper but she's none of that she's like just a proper like dirty-minded foul-mouthed human she's, being like the rest of us we're talking we're talking proto proto examples to me in some ways she's a proto phoebe waller bridge yes like she she <laughs> had a such a a great unique distinctive voice that wasn't afraid to go certain places and and i hope that phoebe waller bridge has a similar trajectory to her career where she continues to work that's another thing i love about man what an emma thompson love fest this episode turned out to be at the end uh but that's another thing i love about her is that she's just constantly trying new things and pushing herself and um, it, it, it it seems to come purely from a place of creative uh, energy and and wanting to make good art as opposed to you know win awards or or whatever else. I mean, she's you look at her in the uh, Harry Potter movies, <laughs> like yeah. she's she's clearly down to do some some wacky stuff too. So yeah, well, she, Emma she Thompson, only... man, double feature pick is Emma Thompson. Just go watch and, <laughs> and listen to. The Library of Emma Thompson. Yeah, I, I think she only made the two Nanny McPhee movies because she, she was like madly, madly over over you know head over heels in love with with those books. Um, I still and, haven't seen those. Oh man, they're great. 
They're great. Like they're, they're, they're kids' yeah. movies, but like as an adult, I've got you a can kid, still Dave. A lot, a lot Perfect. What are we doing next week, right. Andy? Next week, Emma Maybe. Thompson movies. Yay! Um, <laughs> I, I, I have to look up Emma Thompson's filmography if I can find one we can we can squeeze into our eerie um, <laughs> sounds good eerie schedule. Uh, we'll make it so, work. Yeah, next week uh, can't tell you yet. I have to talk to Dave and David about next week, so we're not quite sure what's going to happen next week yet. But we will let you know on our social media accounts. So follow us there. And send us your thoughts on all things horror and on zombies and on Emma Thompson, of course. And Absolutely. with that, I bid you all adieu. And um, yeah, see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been a production of FanOff.com. And that's perfect.